Welcome to the Navigation Church Podcast, featuring practical and encouraging weekly messages from one of our pastors or featured guests. Make sure and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a single message. Every message is committed to helping you discover and take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here's today's message with Pastor David Amston. How are you doing with your New Year's resolutions? Second question, how many remember your New Year's resolutions? This week is the final week of the series that we've currently kind of been on called The Bible Says. Nice, you guys had the proper inflection on that. Next week, we're going to start a brand new conversation, actually going to start a little earlier than than we had planned. Um, I think there's times that we set out with the best intentions. And how many in January set out with the best intentions to start? Do we want to do them? Losing weight? Like, you know, exercising regularly? Your finances? How many we're going to start going back to school? I mean, we start out with the best intentions, but for some reason, we usually end up with the worst results. And I believe one of the reasons is, is we are stuck in our mess and we don't know how to throw off, throw off the old. Amen. So in the final week of uh, October, in the month of November, we actually, I have a friend of mine coming in, Pastor Chris Sonskins. Cannot wait for you to meet him. He's been a coach. He's been a pastor to you without you knowing it. But the rest of the month, here's what we're going to be talking about. How about we talk about finishing strong this year? Amen. How many have had a year that you're ready just to get past? right? Some of you, I know, we talked earlier today. How many are ready just to finish strong? And you know, and just because somewhere along the way you lost, you lost track of your devotions, you lost track of what you had called yourself or what God had called you to, that doesn't mean that we don't have to finish strong. And so, so we're going to be starting off a new series called uh, Wayside. Amen. I, you don't get it, but I'm excited about it. So I'll give you an idea. I'll give you a, a hint. It's going to be on the conversation of Blind Bartimaeus. Wow, what a horrible name. Blind. His parents named him Blind, and his last name is Bartimaeus? Man, that don't make sense. It's almost like a label that he was given. Man, sometimes the worst things that we can do is carry the labels that someone else gave us. So if that, is that something you need to talk about? I can't wait to have that conversation with you next week. But this week, we are going to continue our conversations on the Bible says, what? Like, did he really say that? And this week, hey, I'm excited about this one because it sneaks in pretty fast. The other day, my uh, youngest son, so I have three boys and a girl, Judah, by all you Bible thumpers out there, you're going to love this, Judah, Gideon, Silas, Mariah. Yeah, we went four for four on Bible names. That's what pastors do. You're welcome. So, So my last boy, youngest boy, third child, Silas and I were on our way, imagine this, to a sporting event, and we're on our way to a sporting event, and I can tell you right where we were on Keebler Road, for those on online in different places, you may not know it, we're on Keebler Road, Silas looks over to the right, and this sidewalk is filled with grass, because someone had mowed and not blown it off, and then the edge of the grass was all overgrown. And my little Silas looked over and said, oh, that looks horrible. They should have finished their job. And as a dad, I was a little happy. I was like, because listen, the kids can be at the table and I go, take it to the sink, rinse it off, put it in the dishwasher. And they get none of it right. 
Like I'm not, it, it, sometimes parents out there, it doesn't even leave the kitchen table or it gets kind of thrown in the sink. And so now the sink's a little dirty and just, so for him to look over and say, oh my gosh, dad, they should have cleaned off the sidewalk and look how horrible, why didn't they trim the side? I was sitting there going, okay, maybe, maybe my son is starting to see like what a complete job looks like. And I was excited. And then all of a sudden I looked on top of the hill and over the top of the hill, imagine if this is a hill, I see this little head where that only was good for the people on camera. None of you, that, that worked. Sorry. So online community, you're welcome. I see a little head of a guy on a zero turn still mowing. And I looked at Silas and I said, Sai, you judged them too quickly and you gave me my opening for my sermon. Amen. I swear to you, you said both those things to him right away. I said, Sai, instead of taking time to see if someone was done mowing, we made the judgment on the person who did mow and they were a bad mower. You know why? Because if you don't clean the grass off the sidewalk in the street that you blew out there, you're a bad mower. And it's in the Bible. Maybe, probably not. It's not in the Bible. It's, not. it's in Hezekiah 5.8. Go look it up. You're welcome for everyone who was here last week. And so, like, I was excited that I, I right then I was able to say, Sai, you won't believe this. We judged too quickly. We shouldn't have done this. This is exactly what I'm talking about on Sunday because in the Bible, it says don't judge. How many have ever been in a conversation with someone who they said, they looked at you, and by the way, tell me if I'm wrong. Usually when they say it, it comes with attitude. You know the Bible says not to judge, right? How many have ever had that before? Was that enough attitude? I don't feel like I should have done a lot better job on that one. So like, I'm not doing the hip thing. No, I refuse to do that. So, you know, I do people snap anymore. Okay. Just move on, move on. So here's the thing. It's interesting though, because in Matthew 7, 1, let's just stay right there on this slide for a second. It actually does say, do not judge or you too will be judged. So now we have a problem because the thing that gets thrown in our face of, you know, it says not to judge, the scriptures right there says not to judge. But I listen to this guy on these podcasts all the time, and his phrase he goes to and says all the time, he says this, context is king. Context is king. So here's an old story. You probably heard it before. A guy's walking through the woods and comes up upon two guys. And one of the guys has a saw off sawing the other guy's leg. And of course, he, he, the, the gentleman who walked up on it was like, oh my gosh, I just walked into a, ma a murderer, like a killer. Context is king. The guy with the saw is a skilled board certified surgeon that knows there's an infection in the leg and if he doesn't amputate immediately, his friend dies, right? Context is king. By the way, I don't know if medically that's true at all, but I love the story. So there you go. You didn't come here for your WebMD information today. If your leg's hurting, don't cut it off. There's your, there's your, that's in the Bible. <laughs> Hezekiah, same book. So by the way, there's someone in here right now. You need to know Hezekiah isn't a book in the Bible. See, those last two jokes make a little more sense or they just weren't funny. So we need to always look at context is king. So in Matthew, we're going to say right here, Matthew 7, 1, right there, it says, do not judge. But what we have to also put in the context is Jesus was in the middle of speaking his very first sermon, kind of his public sermon. And this is the sermon of the, uh, on the Mount and where we get something known as the Beatitudes. How many have ever heard, heard that before, the Beatitudes? And so when you start looking at just kind of the breakdown of this, if you go back to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter five, Jesus started by saying this, you've heard it said about murder. 
You've heard it said about adultery. You've heard it said about divorce. You've heard it said about oaths. You've heard it. See, Jesus is saying you've heard it said about this. So it's almost like the first line is you've heard it said. But just so you know, you've heard it said that if you're going to murder someone and, you know, kill them, I'm letting you know that if you use your tongue in a violent way to tear them down, I put that as equal to murder. And by the way, when it comes to your oaths, when it comes to adultery, and when you've heard it said to adultery, that happens in the privacy and intimacy of a closed bedroom door. I'm letting you know now that if your eye looks upon her with lust, uh, and by the way, women, just if you look upon him with lust, it goes both ways there. Like this is adultery. So Jesus is helping reset the way we view it by saying you've heard it said, you've heard it said. And then he goes into chapter six, let's talk about some spiritual acts that you guys constantly do, talking to the Jewish people here. And he goes, listen, you've heard kindness is like this, and you've heard prayer is like this, and you heard of even fasting and giving is like this. But listen, when you do it like this, you, oh man, one side has to be the hypocrites. Hey, are you excited about today? Okay, are you guys excited about today? Okay, so the hypocrites, sorry. I didn't know how else to do it. I didn't, I didn't know how else to do it. I thought, I thought that was a fair, right? Okay. So the hypocrites have all, always told you that when you come to give your offering, it should be up front waving it around so everyone could see. But I'm here to tell you, listen, if you do it like that, you got your reward already. You get in privacy. And you know, you, you've heard when it comes to like fasting from these hypocrites that if you come walking, oh, I've been fasting for 14 hours and I'm so hungry, like, you know, no, 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 put some oil on your face. Don't make it about what other people see. Make it about what God sees. And we got to get away from this hypocritical thing that we've been doing. And so I need to reset your perspective, even when it comes to your spiritual things. And by the way, in chapter seven, we're going to cover some cultural issues. We're going to talk about judging. We're going to talk about what a believer is and what a believer isn't. We're even going to talk about false prophets. So it all has to be in context. And when Jesus is going about at this time in chapter seven, and by the way, chapter five and chapter six, it's almost like he's writing for a newspaper. He puts the headline first to grab your attention and then he defines it underneath that so when we look at do not judge or you'll be judged which is the scripture that everybody grabs the problem is they're grabbing it out of context ready for this verse 2 it's almost like Jesus kept talking verse 2 says in the same way you judge others you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured back to you so The way you judge is the way you're going to get judged. So if you're willing to go on social media and see one post, one comment, and all of a sudden upon reading that, you fill in all the blanks of what that other person meant, and you're willing to take offense with them because of a half-written post in a time of anger, and you're willing to jump on their side on the bandwagon against someone else Don't be, you're not allowed to be mad when someone gets half information about you, starts judging you, starts talking about you, and taking someone else's side against you. You're not allowed to be mad at that. You know why? That's how you judge. This is what, this is the context that Jesus is trying to say to you. And you know, think about this. Imagine if, have you ever had a kid, have you ever had a kid come home talking great about their teachers versus a kid who comes home with a bad grade talking 
about the teacher, right? And so what we have to do as parents is we have to be very careful because we want to believe little Timmy, but the fact is little Timmy may not be right. But if every time our kids come home with something that happened at school, we immediately take our kids' side and we don't bother getting the other side of the information from the teacher, don't be surprised when another little Timmy goes home to his parents talking about your kid And then your kid gets mad and you get called by another parent and they're up in arms and they didn't even take time to get the other side of the conversation. You're not allowed to be mad at that. You know why? The way you judge is the way other people are going to judge you. And if you're willing to judge with only one side of the conversation, don't be mad when someone judges you and they never got your side of the conversation. I don't know. I feel like I should bother you today. Imagine, no, we'll go a little deeper. I don't think you, imagine if you're listening to a politician. Oh, we don't want to talk about this now, do we? A little too red, blue for you? Right, because the color of their party, I wasn't sure if I was going to use skin, party, But if all of a sudden we just don't listen to someone else because of the color of their label. Is that one enough or should I do a fourth one? Because I have a fourth one, but it's like highlighted, like warning, don't do this one. So at some point, no, I ain't sinning. Are you kidding me? There's a difference between being a smart pastor and just a dumb pastor. I'm not a dumb pastor. I'm at least, uh, I'm at least, We have to come to understanding that when it says you should not judge, it's telling us here's how you shouldn't judge. The same way when it came to your spiritual disciplines, here's how you don't do it, but here's how you do do it. When it came to social issues, here's how you don't do it, but here's how you do do it. When it comes to this spiritual thing in your life, here's how you don't do it, here's how you do do it, because here's the fact, here's the truth, here's the reality. You are called to be judges. You are called to be judges in your life. You're, judges to be, you're called to be judges of what comes in your house or doesn't come into your house. You're judged to be able to be, ready for this, what you allow your kids say because of what you say. Amen. You're allowed to judge those type of things. And so when it comes to judging, the question is, does the Bible say anything about us actually judging? And I would say, yes, I would like to point out three key areas where the Bible actually causes you to, calls you to judge. And by the way, can I just, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy, okay? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a guy, I'm a dude. Hey, dads, can I just talk to you real quick? Okay. So a guy shows up to date your daughter. You judging? Yep. Hey, women. Can we talk for a second? (laughs) Right? What we are talking about today is the difference between godly judgment and ungodly judgment. Ungodly judgment is willing to get half the information and pass a conviction. Ungodly judgment is not hearing both sides. Ungodly judgment is, well, ungodly judgment is judging by appearances. Because ready for this? Jesus also said this in John 7. Ready? John 7, 24. Stop judging by mere appearances. Wait wait a second. He didn't say to stop judging. He said to stop judging by mere appearances. Instead, judge correctly. 
There is a way to judge correctly and incorrectly. And if you only judge on appearances, there's a really good chance you're going to judge incorrectly on a regular basis. Here's a personal story I have for you. So a couple years ago, my wife and I, we have four kids, already covered that. My wife and I only believe in buying minivans at this point. And the scriptures where it says your quiver will be full, that quiver translates into minivan. So when your minivan is full, that also is not in the Bible. The, the scripture is, but not the translation. So like when it comes to our minivan, our minivan is full. We love having a minivan. The car that I had, it, was, it got in an accident, so or we needing something else. So we bought a Toyota Sierra, Sierra, something like Sienna. And so uh, I'm so excited about this vehicle. I almost know its name. And I remember buying this used vehicle. I think it had around 70,000 miles when we got it. And I remember the first time I pulled into church. And by the way, like, no offense to anyone, but this is what I personally experienced. I get out of the van. The very first person that sees me says this comment. Wow, we must be paying you too much. Wow. First comment. Second comment, I kid you not, second comment was, man, that's a good looking van. I go, yeah, we got it used. A friend of ours has a car dealership. And they're like, why are you buying used? You should only buy new. Same van. Which, by the way, you and you, the Pharisees and the non-Pharisees, sorry, you guys really should have just been more energetic. I I don't want to judge you as non-energetic, because if you were energetic, you'd shout now. Eh, they're not into it yet. We'll come back. I'll keep judging you privately, though. You know, so amazing, same van, two responses. Here's the funny thing. I don't care what either of them thought. You know what I mean? But it is interesting. But you look at it and you go, well, that was a comment about a van. Here's how it starts playing out in real life that is detrimental. Some time ago, Pastor Aaron and I had the opportunity to take a young man to lunch. And during this lunch, it was beautiful. He started thanking us, thanking us, because there were some struggles that he was having in his life, yet we were walking with him. We thought we were discipling him. We thought we were encouraging, but we were also helping him step into places of ministry that we believed that he was called to. And he was so grateful that despite his shortcomings, we were willing to work with him, which, by the way, is kind of what God does to all of us, in case you're wondering, right? Okay? So if you need a perfect pastor, there is no pastor at any church. Okay? So, like, but then the most amazing thing happened. In that very same luncheon, it shifted. And he started talking to us about these two other young men who are part of the ministry And he goes, did you guys know that they have a problem with this? And did you know they have a problem with that? And Pastor Aaron and I were like, yep. Why? Because we're walking with them. We're talking with them. We're interacting with them. And this young man became so judgmental against the grace that we were giving them that he currently was living under. If the only thing we ever do is judge by appearances we will shortcut ours and others' people's growth towards holiness. Because I don't know what God is doing on the inside, but I'll walk alongside of your outside. And if they don't, the way they look, the way they smell, the way they talk, the way they, well, that is appearance looking. And so listen, I will tell you this. Jesus says, stop judging by appearances. Judge correctly. How about, ready for this quote? The context of their character. 
And then number two, I would say this, never judge hypocritically. Romans 2, 1 through 4, I got a couple verses for you. Stay with me here. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same thing. So, now we know that God's judgment against, against those who do such things are based in truth. Truth, imagine that. God believes that there's a truth. There's actually not just truth, there's absolute truths. There's a God truth, there's a biblical truth, and there are truths even in science. I don't know why I went off on that tangent, but you're welcome. We believe in truths around here. Verse number three, so when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same thing, do you think you will escape God's judgment or do you show contentment for the riches, for his kindness, forbearance, for his patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead us to, everyone say that R word with me. A couple months ago, we were sitting at the house and I was interacting with one of my children. And when he, I thought, was playing the fool. Can I, every, everybody know what I mean by that? I ended up saying something to him as a dad, which I'm not going to repeat it. This was a family thing that I'm going to give you a, a 10,000 foot overview on. But I used this very specific word. And the reason why I knew it, I knew that it would wound him. By the way, this is a dad admitting a failure. And I started rethinking the situation. And I realized I know the words that my kids use to the other children and why they use it. And here's why. We use our greatest pain as our greatest weapon. And so when I, and this is just generic here, when you hear some kids say, you're stupid, but yet the kid next to him says, you're useless. And then the kid next to him says, you're a mistake. And the kid next to him, the reason why they all have different words is they all have different weapons of pain because they view themselves as useless. They view themselves as broken. They view themselves. And here's what we do as adults. We take our greatest pain and we use it as our greatest weapon. And when Jesus sits here and says this, he is doing this because there's a place where we have to see our harshest judgments often reveal our deepest weaknesses and we use them to accuse others. So in your life, if you are always judging a certain group, if you're always judging a certain thing, if you're always judging a certain act, the first question that I would have for you is what does that reveal in you? Because the thing that we won't tolerate in others, we make excuses for ourselves. I'm going to say that again so we all hear that. The places that we refuse to tolerate other people acting like, the places that we refuse to allow people to talk like that, act like that, speak like that, we refuse to tolerate for others, we will make excuses for ourselves. And then when we are really hurting, Mark my words that if you evaluate your words, the words you're using aren't the words meant to hurt them the most, but they're actually the words that do hurt you the greatest. And so when you're judging, if you're pulling out of your tricks of pain, I'll let you know now you are judging incorrectly. 
judging ungodly. And then here's the third one that I'd like to throw out to you, then we'll just kind of try to put a big old bow on today. Never judge outside the family. 1 Corinthians 5.12. What business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? Are you not to judge those inside? Hmm. So this is kind of two-sided, right? So the first side is this. Why is it that people outside the church view us as judgmental? And here's why. We're calling balls and strikes against them in a game they're not playing. If they don't believe in the Bible, why are we holding them accountable to the Bible? And, and I'm sorry, I know you want me to like a hold, hold a high standard of holiness around the world, but the fact is, I choose to serve in environments where people don't look like me, talk like me, and act like me. And I always find it interesting because when I'm there, like there's, there's one group that I hang out with on a regular basis. They use the F word like a comma. It's impressive. It's a lot of times. And after, I, I have a question. Any, anybody out there know what I mean by that? Okay, okay. So, but here's the interesting thing. After a couple times, there's a lot of amens just for the F word. That's the biggest. Right. Come to NAV Church. Okay, never mind. Yeah, no. Did you see that? I edited myself, so don't judge me. Like, it can be done. Just look on my, never mind. Okay, so it is interesting because after a while, someone will say, hey, pastor, sorry for that. And I appreciate them apologizing for that, but that's them recognizing the place and the authority, the, 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 who I am and what I do. But the fact is, I'm not sitting there secretly judging them. They never said they played the same game as I do. And here's the game I play. The moment I gave my life to Christ, I forfeited my right to hate. I forfeited my right to let my decisions be the end-all decision maker. Here's what it is. It's this eternal book written outside of time, outside of a single language, outside of a single people group, over three different continents by um, uh, 30-something writers in three different languages, compiled after thousands of years, an eternal book to, of God that is a covenantal book with covenantal language to a covenantal people that speaks to anybody at any place. And this is the thing I chose to live my life by. They didn't. So who am I now to thump them in the face and say, you're not acting right. They never joined our game. Right? They never joined this, this league that we're in, this community where we're in their faith. So guess what? Christians, stop judging non-Christians. We can be a light on a hill. We can be salt. We can be, there's a lot of things we can be, but we're not supposed to be judgmental. Unless, of course, you're a Christian. If you're a Christian and I'm a Christian, and we're not acting very Christian-like, guess what? I am allowed to call you out. I am allowed to come and have a conversation with you. I am allowed to question some of the ethics that you're living by. I'm, why? Because this is a team sport. And they're like, well, how are you supposed to judge them? Why don't you jump over to Matthew 18? And it'll give you step-by-steps. If you have ought against a brother, and by the way, I don't have these scriptures, so just go read it for yourself. Don't trust me. Go read the Bible for yourself. But I will give you a pretty good hint. If you have ought against a brother, first you go to them. And if you can't be reconciled, you bring someone with you. Why do you bring someone with you? So you can gang up on them? No. So a third party could be a righteous judge to hear both of you. Because guess what? There's a chance you're not right. 
When I say you, I mean us. Just be aware, I'm in the same category as you here. So why, Matthew 18, does it tell us to bring a third party with us? Because there is a small chance you're not hearing it correctly, so you bring a third party to help be a translator between my German and your Spanish so we can get to an English settlement. Right? And so this is what it is. But even if they don't hear then and you have fear that they're in sin, you bring the eldership to them. Why? Because all of this, as said in Romans 2 that we just read, it's all of us lead to repentance. It's all of us to have sanctification. It's all of us to be better. But when we're calling up people to be better who never joined our game, they're just going to sit outside the church and go, why would I ever have anything to do with those judgmental people? Our job, let me read exactly. We aren't called to change people. We're called to introduce them to a God that will change them into his image and likeness. If my only job is to change you, the only person I can change you to look more like is me. But if I can journey with you, then I'll allow God to call you and bring you into repentance and change you into his image and likeness. So, when the Bible says, do not judge, let's just, can we just change that sentence just a little bit? Don't judge in a foolish manner. Judge according to a godly and a biblical manner. And by the way, when you judge, let's do this. Step number one, let's not judge by all, just outside appearances. Why don't you take this? Let's act like a judge that hears all the information, then steps away to deliberate. So what if step number one, it's not just not judging by appearances, we're going to judge after we collect all the data, and then we're going to allow ourselves to think about it. But by the way, when you are thinking about that, one of the questions that we should say to ourselves is, is this hitting something inside of me, or is this something for them? Because I promise you, most of the times, when someone is going through something, it's for them. And so if something is just bothering the way you keep acting, the way you keep talking, the way you keep blah, 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 it's bothering me. By the way, this is an issue for you. So now I'm going to pause. Can I use this word? I'm going to find serenity. I'm going to pause. I'm going to gather all the information. Upon gathering information, I'm going to ask God, what should I do here? And then I'm going to ask this. Is this a place for me to step in and judge? Well, if they're outside the church versus inside, no, outside, I'm not judging according to the standard, right? But if you're inside the church, here's the thing. As a pastor, I hear a lot of things all the time. And I rarely just step in. And you know why? Advice not sought is rarely taken. Not in the Bible. And if it was, it'd be in Hezekiah. It's our time. I don't know if you caught that. It's the power of three, so... Here's the thing, I step into situations that I have an open door to because an open door usually has a receiving heart. And here's a final thought that I have for you, and this is just me being very transparent and honest with you. I believe if you live a judgmental lifestyle, it'll keep you from stepping into where you're supposed to step into. So um, this past week, this is just me being transparent and honest with you. Uh, this past week, it was something like Tuesday. My left foot started hurting. Just very weird uh, get up in my hitch or whatever. 
hitch in my getup. There it is. I knew I was close. I'm uh, dyslexic. Leave me alone. So, <laughs> so the next day, it became miserable. The next day, it was painful. By the fourth day, walking on it made me nauseous to my stomach. I eventually went to uh, urgent care. I got x-rays. They wanted me to wear a boot. I had a wedding here yesterday, and my, the pain level in my foot was so high that I did the wedding in the boot. And this morning, I have a very high pain level, but I didn't wear my boot because I felt like I would look dumb in front of you. I felt like, hang on a second. This is just me telling you where I'm at. And the only reason I'm telling you this is I was honest with some people this morning that last night, so in the past, I've had uh, blood clots. And I've been reading, can you get blood clots in your foot? And how does it feel like? Da, da, da. And last night, all of my kids were gone. My wife is gone. I was home all night by myself. And at one point, I thought, if a blood clot kicks loose, goes to my heart, and I die, no one knows till tomorrow where I don't show up to church. So I'm at home by myself, and the thought was, I just have to get good enough to where I don't have to wear the boots so everyone thinks I'm fine. Here's the fact. I actually think I missed the opportunity for connecting with individuals because I was so insecure of how I felt that you would judge me. If you live a judgmental lifestyle, I think we actually devalue the people that we're working with. I think I devalued what people would think about me, what people would say about me, what people, because after all, the pastor can't be on stage talking about God's goodness injured. Like, there, it was a false image thing. The reason I was worried about your judging me is because of an image issue I have with myself. And so listen, if you're living a judgmental lifestyle, I can tell you this. Number one, you're sowing aspects of judgment that you do not want against you. Number two, you're turning off people that God wants to turn on. And the th third thing I would say to you is, I think you're not giving enough credit to the people you're, that's around you. And so I just want to say this. I'm sorry for not believing in the best of all of you. I feel like I should repent for that because I've been walking slow. I, I, I can tell I have a little good sweat going on because it's just not feeling right. And everything inside of me is I had to look a certain way in order to preach a certain way. And the fact is I'm a jacked up individual I am not perfect, I am not great, and I am sorry that I judged in the way that I did because the fact is I should be up here in a boot right now. But you know what happened? I was worried what you thought about my appearances. So I decided to be a hypocrite. And now, rather than being honest with my family, so God, I just ask you to speak to us. God, everything, there's so many aspects of this world that we're called to. And Lord, if Christians, followers of you, do not know how to judge righteously, then who judges this world? Who makes decisions on education, on economics, on political moorings? Who makes decisions, God, in the courthouses, all the way to the White House. You called us to be righteous judges for you. Lord, we sit 
as actually ambassadors for you here on the earth. So give us wisdom in this place today. God, I ask that the, individually, those of us who are the most judgmental in one area, Holy Spirit, start revealing to us our foolishness in that area. Start revealing to us where we are weak or where our image is broken in that area. And God, I know this is my heart for the fall festival, my heart for our community as we pastor them. Lord, let us not be known as a judgmental church calling balls and strikes with people who aren't even in our game, but let us be the family, the people, the church that sees the lost and call them into a relationship with you. Actually, if you're here right now and your eyes are closed, can I invite you just to keep your eyes closed just a second longer? If you're here right now or you're watching us in our online community and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, there is no judgment. There's an invitation. And the invitation is this, that you're lost. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you you're lost. Sin has a grip on you. You, when you close your eyes for the last time, you don't know what eternity has for you, but also this, you wrestle and you war with things in this life that you want to get rid of, but you just can't seem. It's because you were lost. Jesus Christ died on a cross so that he could die for your sins and wash you clean and give you a new start. Actually, let me say it this way, for you to be born again, a new a life, a new spiritual morning, a new journey for you to be on. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you're in our online community with eyes closed, heads bowed, no one's looking, if you're here today and you're ready to give your life to Jesus, could I just ask you to raise your hand so that I can see that you're making that decision? And as hands go up in this room, as hands go up in this room, praise God, there's three hands there, praise God. His hands are going up in this room in our online community. I need you to hit the like button. I need you to type in, that's me. They're going to throw a comment in there. Throw a thumbs up on it. We want to connect with you. But if you're in our online community or here, could I just ask everybody around this room to say this prayer with me? Say, dear Jesus, today is the day that I've judged myself and I'm guilty. I'm guilty of sin, selfishness, and I need freedom. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Become Lord of my life. And from this day forward, I follow you. God, I thank you for every hand that went up. I thank you for every decision that was made. God, I saw those hands. I know those hearts. And I believe that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, as the scriptures say, that we will be saved. So today, God, we do that. And Lord, any place where we try to judge ourselves, where we have to become perfect in order to become loved, Lord, you loved us before we were perfect. And we receive that today. In your name we pray. Come on, church, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate with every person that made that decision today. Thanks again for joining us this week on the Navigation Church Podcast. We hope this message strengthened and encouraged you in the next step of your journey. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating and review. And if you want more information about Navigation Church or wish to connect with us in more ways, visit navchurch.org, download the Nav app in your app or Google Play Store, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and even like the Navigation Church page on Facebook. And again, make sure and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a single message. For now, know Navigation Church is always here to help you discover and take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ.